0: This is WCN, the whole care network, you talk, we listen. Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. Views and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent views of the whole care network. Always consult your physician for medical and fitness advice. And always consult your attorney for legal advice. And thank you for listening to The Whole Care Network.
1: One of the things I'm most proud of is he once asked the board to give me a round of applause for the minutes.
0: We all have our stories, and by sharing them, we can truly show the power of the human spirit. Hello, my name is Jody O'Donnell Ames. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Resilience and Hope. My guest today is Donna Valente. Donna is the creator, host, and producer of Giving Heartbeat. A global podcast about giving and making a difference. She is particularly committed to amplifying marginalized voices. So Donna, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to my show. Thank you, Jody. I'm so pleased to be here. I'm so excited
1: to be with you and doing my first podcast interview as a guest. So thank you.
0: Well, I think it's <laughs> Fitting because I believe I was one or maybe the second or the mm-hmm. first guest of your podcast. Yes. Yes, you were. How is that doing? It's doing really well.
1: I published my 28th episode recently and I'm meeting all kinds of incredibly interesting people from all kinds of exciting projects and conditions and situations I hadn't ever really been aware of before. And I'm glad to to spread word about some great work out there and, and just learn more about what people are going through and
0: try to spread hope. I love it. We have that a common synergy for sure. I always like to begin with how we met and also a childhood memory. So let's start with the childhood memory because I know that you are a kind-hearted person, compassionate and caring. And We'll talk about how I knew that a little bit later, and I always think that it's important to go back in time and think about who we were as children and how that has transpired into who we are as adults. Like For me personally, I was a nurturer at a very young age, probably seven years old, and I'm still nurturing to this day at 55. So is there a childhood story that you can share with us about who you were then which also resonates with who you are now? Well, I do remember when I was a
1: kid I loved to write and I always wanted to be a writer. Uh, I remember thinking I'd like to be a writing a writer and that has definitely carried through mm-hmm. and I think I've always been creative and compassionate. And those things have carried through. When I was a kid, I used to make my own Barbie clothes and babysit a lot. And those are not that I'm babysitting now, but just that nurturing part that you said that is so much a part of you. I also have always carried with me and I've always felt a deep seated need to help people. And, and, I got pleasure from it too, so it wasn't always. It's not just that I want to. I'm such a great person. It's just I feel that I need that to be, mm. to be whole, you know. And so it benefits me, just as much as I may be helping somebody else. It, it helps me.
0: Yeah, there's a saying that I shared recently, and it's when we help others. There's no doubt that we help ourselves, and I think that rings true for you as well, because you. It's hard to give and not receive, right? <laughs> So you actually, you actually made Barbie clothes too. Oh, I did. <laughs> like what Yeah, kind? I loved to sew. Oh, I would take
1: denim and just make little dresses and outfits and things. Did you sell them? No. No, I just played with my Barbies and, and the clothes that I made. And I always liked to draw and paint and cook. Cooking was a big, that's a big creative outlet for me.
0: Excellent. And you said you also loved to write. What did you write about? When I was a kid, I think I wrote uh,
1: more fiction, just stories. And then when I got older, I started gravitating to poetry. And to be honest, one of the reasons was, I think because it's a short medium, you know, and I figured, well, a novel that's like really ambitious, I don't have that much time. So I started writing poetry. And I just also felt very pulled at certain times in my life, especially dealing with grief to write poetry.
0: Well, I'm glad you recognize that compassionate person in you at a young age, because I know that your journey has really been about serving others. And that's a very important part of being human is serving others. So I appreciate that. And that brings me to how we met, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is I just need to tell this story because it brings tears to my eyes to the even today. So I want to say it was five years ago. It may have been a little bit more, mm-hmm. but you actually were working in New Jersey at the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, which is an amazing organization. And I was writing a grant for Hope Loves Company. Everybody knows I'm the founder of Hope Loves Company. And I was writing a grant and reached out to you and asked if I could come see the office. And so I drove. I remember it was It took me quite some time because I think I was driving in traffic and and the office is in North Jersey and got there. And as soon as I walked in, I want to say it was to my right, but there was Christopher Reeve's wheelchair. So Mm -hmm. let me go back for a second because in May of 1995, my late husband, Kevin, was diagnosed with ALS and we advocated Mm -hmm. in D.C. Christopher Reeve, on that same weekend of May 1995, had his traumatic fall, mm-hmm. which caused him to be paralyzed. And so, a year later, when Kevin and I were in DC for ALS Awareness Month and paralysis and neurodegenerative diseases, we ordered a handicap accessible van. And when we got in, the driver said, Christopher Reeve had just used it and had just left. Oh, wow. And we felt honored that we even just shared the same van. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I walked into your office and saw the wheelchair, I just started tearing up because not only was, was he such a powerful in physicality, a physical mm-hmm. man, tall and strong and handsome and But he was also such a powerful voice for others and Mm -hmm. continues to be so today through his foundation. And then with the addition of the loss of Dana as well. And they had a child the same age as our daughter. So I just felt this connection to him. And so when I got there and then I got to meet you, who you were super sweet. And I'm just going to call you out because your room was, your office was a little messy. And
1: it's,
0: <laughs> one of my biggest things is that I have a very messy office. So I was like, oh, I love this woman.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so how was it to meet Christopher
1: Reeve? Oh, my goodness. It was such an honor and a gift to work at the foundation for 22 plus years. When I first started, it was a year after his accident. And I I answered an an ad for a development person in the Chronicle of Philanthropy, and um, went on the interview and got the job. And I didn't actually meet Chris for a little while. There was a lot of history that went on and a merging of of the American Paralysis Association and the Christopher Ree Foundation. And I was able to have the wonderful honor of taking minutes at board meetings during that whole transition, and just witnessing that was uh, such. An incredible experience to have the that look into the board side of things as well as being on the staff and and uh he was just so incredibly gracious, brilliant, funny, just he ran those meetings like to the minute, even when he was really sick it was it was it was quite something, and one of my biggest achievements, i think, and one of the things I'm most proud of is he once asked the board to give me a round of applause for the minutes, because, like, the first thing at the board meetings was to approve the minutes from the last board right, meeting, and right. and he's like, and I think he looked at him, and he was like, like, he said something like they were, like, reading a transcript, because I was very detailed, but he loved it. That was quite an honor, getting that, and getting that recognition from Chris, and he also liked He loved the way that I wrote letters for him and his voice. So I I would write a lot of his letters because when there was an event, there were many people that had to be thanked. And so people that needed a little bit more of a special thank you note or some other special letter, I was often called upon to do that for Chris. And that was awesome because he liked the way that I wrote for him and didn't often have changes. So that's, that's quite gratifying.
0: I love that because I think it's so important. Anyone who knows me knows that writing thank you letters is a big part of who I am and showing appreciation. So I love the fact that he asked you to do that, but also trusted your voice, you know, knowing what he wanted to convey is so powerful. Was he able to talk at that time? Mm-hmm. He was okay. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know some yeah, people he... who are vented can speak, and some lose the ability mm-hmm. to speak. So I wasn't sure. Oh yes,
1: he he was he was able to speak, and he used a dragon dictate a lot of times for writing. Okay. So yeah. Just a brilliant, brilliant man.
0: That dragon and dictate Dana is still was... around. My neighbor uses it. Oh, it's awesome. It is. It is absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing those great memories and also for being a part, really, of the evolution of that organization. I could tell that immediately when I met you, that you were a huge part of it. So thank you. Ah, it's my pleasure. So a part of this conversation is to recognize gratitude to latitude, which, in my opinion, means that the more grateful we are, the more opportunities that arise because we are open to being grateful, to giving, to being of service. And then things just open up, our worlds open up because we're authentic and we're appreciative. So is there a story or something that you can share about gratitude to latitude in your own life? Oh, sure. Well, like that
1: that one thing that I just said about Christopher recognizing those minutes and just appreciating it. That I think in the back of my head really went a long way to just making me appreciate what I have and what's in front of me. And that has helped so much in just being able to get through things. I had a really hard year in 2018. The program that I was running was doing phenomenally and getting all kinds of money and recognition, but it was harder and harder on me as a a person to run the program. And my husband got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the time and needed a a lot more care. He was already disabled for many years through a number of work injuries, back injuries, surgeries that didn't work. And then at 59 years old, he got type 1 diabetes. And the way that we found out was that he had lost so much weight and was barely functioning and was in the ER. And they said, well, you don't have cancer, but you have type 1 diabetes. So we were grateful that, you know, he had something that was somewhat manageable but it's a a real tough road so so you during said that this year, was
0: 2018 18 mm-hmm. okay so so yeah. we know what happened in, in 2020 mm-hmm. so you're saying 2018 was a tough year which, oh that was that
1: yeah it was really hard because it was just it was becoming apparent that I think that the job was just getting too big for me and I think that out of hubris I didn't want to recognize that it was too big for me. You know, I wanted to hold on to what I was doing. And also, I was, like you said, extremely dedicated to the foundation and its mission. And my friend, my best friend, had had a spinal cord injury. And I met her when I was a classroom assistant at County College of Morris. And she was a student, and I started taking notes for her. And that was back in, gosh, in the 80s, early 80s. And she was my, like, one of my closest friends, and uh, she was just awesome because I could tell her anything, and she never judged me, even when I went through all kinds of stuff. And anyway, so I I think something had to happen because I don't know if I would have voluntarily left. So I ultimately lost my job at the end of the year. And God bless the foundation. They're doing amazing, wonderful things, and I'm very happy that that program that I worked on and uh, gave so much of my blood, sweat, and tears is doing so well and helping so many people. And uh, one of the best things I loved about my job was talking to all the wonderful nonprofit founders like you that I met and got to talk to, and I just loved it so much. And also in that year, I my brother-in-law passed away, and that's another place that you came into my life because— my sister is down where by where you are. And even though Brian didn't have ALS, he had a rare brain condition. So some of the things were similar. And you helped Darcy so much and just reaching out and trying to get her the things that she needed to get by. And then we lost him in October. And then two weeks later, on my daughter's 18th birthday, my dad died. I was just, I was devastated because I was, I mean, if you've, I I also write poetry and a lot of my poems are are like letters or letters to people. And I wrote a lot of poems to my dad and they were while he was alive, even after he had a stroke. So I didn't know how I was ever going to deal with losing him, but I did. He died and, you know, I had to come to terms with that and deal with the grief, all the grief of that year and just kind of feel it and go through it. And I tried a, a lot of different nonprofit foundations or situations to try to find other work and wasn't able to find anything. And when I found something I was interested in or found compelling, it didn't work out. And I just kept going. Then I realized that, oh, even I, I took a job as a media salesperson. So I did that. It was an all commission-based thing. I did it for three months. I worked harder I worked really hard. Even though I was home-based, I was running all around the county. I was—I had a really difficult location to try to sell magazine ads. People had been trying and trying to make a go of this thing. And I learned a lot. And it was way out of my comfort zone. Um, and I ultimately realized it wasn't going to work out as a sustainable income for me. So I decided to try to do something as an entrepreneur online.
0: Do you mind Excuse- if I stop you there for a moment? No, go ahead. There's a lot of information. First of all, I'm sorry for all of your losses in one year. I was honored to meet Brian and to support your sister. As I said, that's a big part of who I am. And what you're sharing is just a lot of grief. And before we talk about how you were able to switch gears emotionally and physically, professionally, what worked for you? What seemed to help you? In that grief, I I
1: think the biggest thing was was just faith. Your faith, faith in God, yeah, and just that there's, well, I mean, the grief you kind of have to learn to live with because everyone dies, and so that's just something you have you kind of have to do. And and the gratitude is what really helped. Just understanding that every day is a blessing, and waking up in the morning, you're breathing. That's a blessing. And every day, if you're, if I realized that if I spend all my time worrying about everything and not enjoying the present, I'm wasting my life. So I, I try to really be grateful for all the little things, and the big things. But that has really helped.
0: I think that's so important what you just shared because when we realize that every single day is a gift. And Mm -hmm. for me personally, being widowed at 35 and watching so many people that I know and love not get to see 50 is a reminder, a constant reminder to me how fortunate I am Mm -hmm. to not only be in my 50s, but to be healthy and happy and do the things I love. I think for the most of us, we typically just do our day day to day thing and not take time to really recognize how lucky we are to be here to wake up and something that i that I started in twenty twenty is to start my day with three things I'm grateful for because it just sets the scene for a positive day when you start in gratitude. so thank you for sharing mm-hmm.
1: that
0: sure sure. so then how did you get into podcasting?
1: Oh well. After trying different things like I did and not seeming to get into my groove, I started an online website for eco-friendly furniture, home decor. And I thought this is really cool. I have my I had a name, best best home decor and more. Wait, I didn't know that. And I had yeah, <laughs> it was best home decor and more. And I had a, I was working with a company that helped me do it because I don't know code. or So I had a lot of help, but I curated all of the products on my website. I changed all of the descriptions so they were like gender neutral and just as accessibly inclusive and friendly as possible.
0: Did you make the furniture?
1: No, no, no. I had a company out in California that sourced it. So wow. I, I had... The items on my website, and then the way it was to work: would somebody would purchase that, and then I would purchase it from the drop shipper, and then have it shipped to the person.
0: Wait a second! I, I just uh, have to stop stop you for a moment because that's completely different than what you were doing. I know. And what yeah. what drew you to that idea? What brought you there? Well, I I think I was I felt a little burned out.
1: On nonprofits, to some degree, and I didn't want to start at the bottom again. and And a lot of times with nonprofits, you're it's not just making a salary and working a nine to five. You're working all the time. And I just realizing how much Mike needed me now. I I just wasn't. I couldn't. Do, I didn't want to even think about doing that anymore. Okay. Even a job where I have to go out and do a lot of traveling, I really have to stop and think about it because I worry about my my sugar going low or I'm having an incident and needing me. and So, so you wanted um, the flexibility so I, of yes, being a I caregiver. <laughs> yes, being absolutely. Being a caregiver.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what, yes, that's what the core is. Caregiver first and then everything else after that. So I had, I sold one item in my, off my website to my cousin, my co- dear cousin,
0: Bill. <laughs> Thank you, Bill.
1: Thank you, Bill. But I hadn't really done, I didn't know anything about social media. So I was just learning social media when COVID hit. And then I was like, I didn't even know that businesses were shutting down all over the place. I didn't feel like advertising to buy my furniture when people were losing their jobs. Industries were shutting down. I mean, I just didn't feel right about it. And I got an email from SCORE about this Rise Up Challenge. So I Joined. I trusted it because it came from SCORE. Because as you know, you get bombarded with uh, ads and people trying to
0: sell you stuff constantly, right? Right. And for those of us who don't know what SCORE is, SCORE is a, is a training, actually one-on-one mentoring. I actually have a mm-hmm. SCORE coach. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember what it stands for because it's changed, I believe but it yes. used to be about senior their senior executives who have retired yes. who are yes. now mentoring others in business mm-hmm. and entrepreneurialship so if you haven't heard of it and you are looking for mentoring i highly recommend that you check oh. it out but yes. thank you for mentioning them
1: oh sure they're they're really a wonderful a wonderful resource for any kind of business. And I actually went to a meeting with some SCORE advisors before I started the the online website and they recommended that I do consulting, nonprofit consulting, which I at that point I was just I was like I didn't want to travel and consulting at that point meant you traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. I think before COVID, but now with COVID, a lot of things could be could happen remotely. So that I started listening to a lot of speakers like Tony Robbins and Damon Johns and all these amazing entrepreneurs. And I found out about podcasts and I had already bought my microphone because I wanted to do voice acting. And I just thought that's something I could do. Because one of the things I learned was when you're confused and you don't know where to go, look inward and find your strengths and your passion, but also look outward and help other people. And then things will, that's how you get out of that confusion. And I don't know if that's, that's like a Gandhi thing or who came up with that concept. So but basically, maybe it was Jesus, I don't know.
0: Yeah, so basically uh, you're using your communication skills, mm-hmm. which are excellent, and combining them with helping others through sharing their stories. And mm-hmm. voila, you have podcasting. Yes. Yes. And I found out I could do it from my
1: home. I took a course that was combined with coaching and learned some great strategies. And I decided to launch on my 60th birthday, August 2nd last year. So I did. And I started with eight episodes on the launch date and actually ranked like busted charts in five countries which is really incredible. In podcasting, there's not a lot of metrics out there. So the one thing that I learned was iTunes counts rankings. They do a chart. So in the beginning, drive all your, drive everything to iTunes because then it's not diluted and it'll show up. Interesting. As, I didn't as, know that. Um, yes. Yeah. So anyway, I ended up getting to number four in the United States in the nonprofit category. And (laughs) number three, I can't even believe it. Number three in England, Canada, and Australia. And I got to number two in Spain.
0: Congratulations. And it's because you really listened to, you looked inward, looked at your skills, your passions, and put them all together. And that's how success happens. So thank you for for doing that and for sharing that uh, wisdom with us. I want to ask you a little bit about caregiving. So you are doing something now that's flexible so that you can be at home to help take care of your Mm -hmm. husband. Caregiving. Any advice for caregivers? There are so many caregivers who, especially now with COVID, feel isolated, um, are struggling. Any advice for how to support those in caregiving situations? Well, as far as the caregivers,
1: I would say... And people always tell me that or tell people that, you know, you got to take care of yourself first, but actually doing it is so much harder. And I ended up getting really sick a couple of times um, in the past couple of months. And I think it was because the just combined stress of everything and not taking care of myself. Right. And I ended up in the hospital because I was so sick. I was dehydrated and Anyway, so definitely take care of yourself. But for how people can help caregivers, I would say call them. Mm. See how they're doing. See, like, hey, you need me to go shopping for you? Can I come and I don't know. Any simple thing that can help around the house, running out to the post office, or, you know, just little things that if you offer. if I think if you say, how can I help? Somebody might be so overwhelmed they don't know where to begin to tell you. Good advice. But if you know, if you can offer like a little something small and easily managed, I think that it's easier to ask and it's easier for people to say yes and help you and get some rest.
0: I think your suggestion of reaching out, calling, checking in is very important and also helping in ways that the person wants to be helped. For both caregivers, there's the whole care network, which this is airing on, which has resources. But just as a reminder that it's true, if if you said to someone who is extremely exhausted and stressed as a caregiver, and you said, how can I be of help? They don't even know how you can be of help. But if you said, would you like me to bring dinner once a week? Or would you like me to pick up the dry cleaning? Or would you like me to do your grocery shopping? specific things Mm -hmm. that are helpful that take time and and in the process the way that I've always looked at it as a caregiver is that when you take those daily chores away from someone and that responsibility and worry you allow them not only time to take care of themselves but also to have quality time with their loved one who's sick Mm-hmm. So it's just, uh, it's a positive all the way around. And the person Absolutely. who does the errands and, and helps out also feels great for helping. Mm-hmm. So you can't go wrong. Absolutely. You can't go
1: wrong. And And one of the things I learned, even when I was sick, it made me realize what it was like to need a caregiver. Because I was like, I couldn't do anything for, well, I could barely get out of bed. And so my husband had to take care of me. And so I realized that I need to, like, there's sometimes, and I don't know if this is any other caregiver but me, but sometimes I get to a point where I'm exhausted and I run out of patience and I get bitchy or snippy. And it helped me understand that and to have more
0: patience with when I am caregiving. I think any experience that We go through that brings an observation like that is powerful in how we act and perform. Bringing that awareness when you need someone to when someone needs you is powerful. It's a powerful way to create perspective Mm -hmm. and understanding that may not happen until we've walked in someone's shoes. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Do
0: you happen to have a favorite quote? or saying or a book that has helped you that may help others in this journey of self-awareness caregiving pivoting and growing really do you have something well, like the that one, yeah
1: the one thing that always resonates is yesterday is history tomorrow's a mystery today's a today's a gift that's why they call it the present a okay. present i think something like that i like that one Dana Reeve also had a great quote, and I don't know the whole thing, but I remember part of it was, remember it's okay to be in the dark, not to know what's happening sometimes and not always be sure what's coming down the pike. And that I find is super helpful.
0: She was such a strong woman as well Mm -hmm. and left her mark just as much as Christopher Reeve did, just the way she handled his illness, raising her son and being a caregiver and an advocate I mean I wish I had the opportunity to meet her and to thank her but I appreciate you sharing her quote well, because I haven't read a lot about her I have read the book called still me by Christopher Reeve so I, I will mm-hmm. do some more research and hopefully learn from Dana as well so thank you so much for sharing that oh you're and welcome. how do people get in touch with you Well, my podcast is
1: called Giving Heartbeat, and it's on Apple and iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google. So you can listen to me there. If you would like to find out about becoming a guest on my podcast, you can just email me, givingheartbeat at gmail.com is my email. I also, it's valente at gmail.com. Both of those work. I'm on Facebook, Donna Lee Valente, and also on Instagram, and I'm also on LinkedIn. I believe I'm Donna Lee Valente on LinkedIn as well.
0: Well, thank you so much for having this wonderful conversation with me today. Thank you for all that you do. Keep shining your light, Donna. Take care. Thank you, Jody. Take care. This is WCN, the Whole Care Network. You talk, we listen.